Hello, A up, and welcome. You're listening to the Owls America, sponsored by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. You can sign up now at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. I am not Jeffy Pastanostro, or am I Evan Skilleter. I am Paddy Jones, filling in for both those lazy sons of bitches. So, with our two main hosts out, and our other regulars AWOL, I had two options tonight. Do I do the whole thing solo? Or do I put out the bat single, or the owl signal, across the American continent and see who answers our call? Thankfully, for you and my own sanity, I went with the latter, and I'm delighted to say two of my favourite Owls America's members answered my plea. Making his Owls America's debut, our DC Owl Emperor of Socials, Mr. Chris Robinson. Chris, thanks for joining me, mate. How, what are you drinking, sir? Well, Paddy, I hate to say this, but um, I have not been too well this week, so oh, I, I'm drinking the finest um, finest Maryland uh, water, filtered, of course. Um, <laughs> but key, though, is uh, it's in a Washington Redskins cup, which is, of course, um, uh, by far the best NFL team that you can find, currently losing 0-4, and four, but that's fine. We'll, uh, <laughs> I think we'll, the stats we'll will tell you otherwise, Chris. Uh, yeah. So, Chris, this is your debut. Um you're obviously not a DC native. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little about yourself? Why are you Wednesday night? Uh, why are you in our nation's capital? Are you draining the swamp? That kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm 100% draining the swamp. Um, so I, I, I became a Wednesday night probably in 93, I would say, um, around the FA Cup run and the Wembley trips. Um, I, I remember watching my brother watch the games. Um, and we lived in Germany at the time. So like being on TV was was kind of unique and I, and I thought this team looks good right I'm, I'm going to support them um and then we moved back to the uk and i just carried on following them um and and there we go right and then 20 20 some years later we're we're still supporting the owls from a little bit further away but that that's completely fine um i moved to dc uh, about two years ago in october 2017 uh for for work actually my the company i work for has a headquarters about 10 miles outside of dc um, and I moved to a small village uh, called Laytonsville, uh, Maryland. So not quite DC, maybe about 40 minutes outside, but no one kind of knows where Laytonsville is. So that's why we associate ourselves with uh, with DC. So uh, it's great to be with you. I'm really, really chuffed. I've been listening to the podcast for a while, so I'm happy to be on board tonight and, uh, and speak with you all. And if you've been following our socials recently, you'll know uh, we've a massive kind of like uh, upgrade, I would say, over myself and a few others joining in, pitching every now and again uh, to Chris, who's uh, been putting a lot of time and effort into stats, into clips and everything too, so massive thank you mate on that kind of effort up front there so um, thankfully, uh, we are not the only ones on the pod tonight and uh, we have hit our American quota, thanks to Justin in New England. Justin uh, thanks for coming down my uh, what are you drinking, sir? Uh Buzzards Bay Brewing Company, a West Porter, uh, it's called. It's a very nice porter with some uh, caramel flavoring. It's uh, just started to get nice and cold around here in the mornings. Get up and it's uh, high 40s, so we're uh, starting to buckle in and uh, get ready for the fall and winter. So I thought a porter would go go well tonight. You're not drinking porter in the mornings, though, Justin, right? Say it again? You're not drinking porter in the mornings, though, right? Uh, if I need to. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, thanks, Johnny, man. Uh, you have been on the podcast before. Uh, we uh, had you on as a guest in the Why You Became a Wednesday Night. 
Uh, although I'm very much aware that everyone listens to all our podcasts all the time. So if you want to just let everyone know why you're a Wednesdayite, uh, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, no, I told the story before. It's uh, some friends of mine in the early 90s, the Premier League first came on TV in the U.S., and a friend of mine was an expat. His father was from Liverpool. He said, we should all get together Saturday mornings and watch the games. I said, sure, but I don't know who to root for. And everybody said, well, we'll do Man United and we'll do Liverpool. And I said, I, I don't want to root for any of those. That's all I know. I said, do any Americans play? And they said, yes, one. I said, John Harks. I said, well, who the hell does John Harks play for? And uh, I've kind of been stuck since. So that's how I ended up uh, following this team, joining this group of people. So it's been uh, it's been a ride. Yeah, I mean, it's mainly been downhill for most of your uh, thing, which is at least you started at the top, unlike most of our fans. So uh, you got to see some good football for a while, Justin. It's true. That's true. It's <laughs> been a pretty direct line downhill from that moment. But, you know, I, I think it. we, we talk a lot about... Uh, fandom and, and teams fitting you and as an american how do you find a, a club that you really root for uh, and this club just really fits my bill given that it's old and historic and uh you know a lot of tradition and uh that sort of really introduced me to that yorkshire brand of of dry self-deprecating humor that uh <laughs> i do tend to enjoy so that's uh hey wednesday till i die what are you gonna do about it <laughs> Well, we'll have none of that humour on the podcast tonight, please, Justin. Um, so, uh, going to the agenda, we have coming up for you today, the Tour de Yorkshire ends up in Hull with a crappy loss, um, but it was preceded by a brilliant win away to Middlesbrough, so we'll talk about both those games in the podcast today. We'll have a bit of Wednesday news for you, we've got a Wigan preview with the uh, true stat man, the brains behind the mouth, which is uh, Evan Skilleter, uh, giving you some stats for that game. Uh, we'll have some more Owls America's other business, uh, and then if we have time, maybe a couple of social questions too from everyone that's been submitting on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you. Right, so uh, Jeff introduced this new thing uh, this season where he does 90 minutes in 90 seconds. Now, if you haven't gathered already, I'm pretty fast at talking, but not always that legible. So I'm going to have a crack at this. Uh, so 1990 for the Borough game. Here we go. 8 a.m., wake up take dog for a walk, have a coffee, get the bus into the city. 9.45 a.m. in the bar, waiting for the game to kick off. 10.06 a.m. Wednesday, a 2 0 up after two great crosses from Bannon, find the head of two defenders. One of them played in green. 10.07, I might be dreaming. It's very early. 10.18, Burger get a cracking goal back. Feels more like reality than a dream. 10.34, 16 minutes later. Wednesday, a 4-1 up, away from home and there's still 10 minutes left from the first half. I am definitely still asleep. It's definitely a dream. What on earth happened? Justin, Chris, <laughs> I'm ignoring the second half because I think I fell back asleep again uh, and nothing happened. So what a fantastic first 45 minutes. What a very professional second 45 minutes to see that game out. We've seen people, we've seen Wednesday give it up before. Um, so... Justin, some talking points. You wanted to talk about uh, Moses Odebayo. Yeah, I, uh, like most Wednesday fans, was not too impressed with his start. He had a couple games with directly leading to goals. I believe he had the terrible yellow card, a couple penalties. He was 
a bit of a disaster. And, you know, it's kind of the thing where you keep an eye out for him. But I was keeping my eye on him that game. And his ability to get forward and his ability to uh, apply pressure, uh, I thought was a real difference maker in the way that Wednesday played that that first half, uh, pushing the ball up the field. Uh, I noticed on the second goal, uh, the free kick that Baza took and put over to uh, Dominic Iorfa, that whole thing was set up by Adebayo putting pressure on uh, on Burrow uh, pretty far up the field, which forced the ball back in. Uh, later, he had that great drive up the middle, uh, got a great pass from Luongo. He wasn't able to put it away. Uh, on Fletcher's goal, he was far up the wing to receive a pass and play it. So I feel that like he was really stretching the field, pressuring, and giving us what we're looking for out of our fullbacks offensively and something we've been missing since Jack Hunt in terms of a, a fullback that can uh, effectively get forward and uh, create some disruptions. It's exactly what I thought we'd get from Adebayo. It just doesn't seem to be doing it enough, does he? So I'm, I'm glad that uh, it's, it's quite, it gets quite a lot of stick already. He's one of those people that's been singled out uh, on Twitter as uh, not good enough, too many errors. But uh, I feel like it's fair. I think your point's very fair. I think I'll be able to a couple of good games against Borough and Hull. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's pretty good. And like I say, I'm not sure uh, what Monk's going to do when Leeds is fit and whether he moves Ayoff mm. to the right or not. Would, would you prefer Ayoff on the right to Odebayo, do you think, when Leeds is fit? Um, I think that... I, and it's funny that I mentioned that about Adebayo. He's not normally the type of player I'd like because he's prone to a mistake, right? And, and I do think he's got a good one in him every game. Um, but he, he does work so well up the field. But I think Iorfa can mimic most of that. But there was an interview this week with Iorfa where he talked about really wanting to settle in at uh, center back. So it's that's a great point that I should probably have a, a larger conversation uh, going forward. What what does this team do once Tom Lees is back and you've got a developing center back partnership that seems to be working well? I mean, a goal here, a goal there. Uh, they've been on a pretty good run defensively. They're one of the better teams in the league. So how do you get Tom Lees back in? Yep, I think we'll uh, definitely have to cross that when we come to it. Hopefully uh, that won't be too far away either with uh, Lees looking like he's coming fit in the next week or two. Uh, Chris, uh, your talking point is around uh, being clinical, uh, which is something we don't see very often against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, so yeah, go ahead. We we do not say this about Sheffield Wednesday very often at all. So um, yeah, I mean that team were just clinical, especially in the first half. I mean they had throughout the game they had like twelve shots, um, half of them were on target. They scored three goals. I mean we don't count their own goals, so. Um, but that, that's a good return, right? Fifty percent on target, fifty uh, percent, you know, three goals. Um, but it was really the quality of chances. If you look at um, the this, there's a website called InfoGoal, which is um, really really useful. And what it'll enable you to do is look at what the quality of chance was. So um, it, it basically scores a percentage. So if if a goal has got a fifty percent chance of, of going in, it it's basically like a coin flip. So um, the if you look at Fletcher's goal, that was like twenty four percent. So not you know like one in one in four, one in five. Um, Iorfa's was thirty three percent, like one in three. Uh, Reach though was like down down at six percent. So that doesn't go in too often. And and they just they took that chance and and just put it away. Um, one thing I did notice though, um, Asombalonga he, he couldn't hit a barn door. <laughs> I mean like that that guy like 
he, he really good at it. I mean, that, that's an $18 million striker that they, they paid money for. Um, we don't have the best record in paying lots of money for a striker, but still, like, he had two big chances, 50%, so coin flip territory, and, and he didn't put them away. And fair, that, that 18, would have been a different game. That's $18 million that Gary Monk spent as well, by the way. <laughs> he bought him for Middlesbrough, <laughs> which the Borough fans that's were true. very quickly to remind us in the New York bar. Um, so, yeah, they uh, and how much that he pocketed for himself will keep on the uh, down there, because uh, I think that's all being investigated. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but you know, that, that first half was, was fantastic. I mean, just seeing the, the joy on those Wednesday fans that were stood in the terrace was... <laughs> Was unrivaled. I, I think we tweeted out this um, this small like six second video of this guy that turned out to be called Russell Grayson, and he, his face was just a picture. I mean, like he, he was just so shocked at what was happening. And I think if if you could video all of the Owls Americas across uh, across the US, that same expression was was happening. Um, my daughter came down um, about half time, and she was like, "What's going on? You're you're making lots of noise." And I was like. <laughs> This doesn't happen, so just allow me to make the noise, and uh, we'll, we'll go on. But yeah, they, yeah, they were pretty cool. They were really it really cool. was hands on head stuff. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, it's nice to see. As usual, not frequent enough. There's usual noise watching Wednesday, but it's not usually the same noise as we made on the Saturday morning last last week. Um, yeah, it's more, usually more groans and negative things. So yeah, it was an amazing game, um, and we saw it out. It's uh, it was very professional second half. I thought. Uh, I think my talking point. I want to just call out Bannon. I think we spoke about it already. I think when Bannon's not in this team, uh, we really struggle creatively. If Bannon's not playing as good as he can be, uh, there's not usually anyone else that takes it on his, their shoulders. Reach did that last season. I haven't seen him do it this season. Um, so I'd like to see Reach a bit more, uh, in taking a bit more charge, a bit more leadership uh, when Bannon's not on his game. Uh, and I think that moves us nicely into maybe the whole game. Um, so again, I'll have a bash at this 90 for 90 again. So uh, Hull, uh, Hull away. Fletch goes out with a bit of a knock. Atty and uh, Win all start up front. And we go after a bit of a decent start, actually. Uh, Baz Sabanon with a nice bending ball into the bottom left is saved well by the Hull keeper. Uh, and it kind of goes back and forth. We had the first 20 minutes or so looking pretty good, but not quite clinical enough. Winall took a punch in the face going for a header. Atty um, had a uh, a shot blocked by a defensive tackle. Second quarter of the game, so they're still in the first half. Hull start to push his back. That Bowen I thought was a fantastic player throughout the entire 90 minutes. He was the centre of most things for Hull, but misses a chance about six yards out uh, with Burner clearing off the line pretty much. In the second half, um, nothing much happened until Murphy comes on for us. He put himself about a bit as much as he can for a lightweight winger. Uh, wins a few fouls and. Uh, Probably should have been given a penalty later in the game due to a pretty bad tackle, in all honesty. Uh, however, before that tackle went in, we uh, against someone of pay, I thought. Uh, Hull had their, what I thought was possibly the only chance of that second half. Lovely cross from Lehigh, uh, and a header by, I think, uh, I think Rob O'Neill described Tom Eaves as a, confident in cri- uh, a crisis in confidence uh, before he smashed that uh, diving header in the top corner. <laughs> Uh, it certainly doesn't that confident to me, but anyway, it was poor marking for my offer that set it up, uh, and a great cross from Eric Lehigh. Uh, it did set up a very tense end to the game, where Wednesday tried everything but came up short. Reach coming the closest, which is a bit of a kind of uh, thing to say, because it wasn't that close at all, about 20 yards above the bar from 10 yards out. And we end up losing 1-0 to 
after the best performance of the season prior to that. So, our tour of bad towns in Yorkshire comes to an end in Hull. Uh, Justin, uh, what are your thoughts on this game? What do you want to talk about? Uh, well, I mean, it, it just was such a championship game. It was a <laughs> Tuesday night. You played great the week before. You go to a middling mid-table team that basically does nothing all game, and you come out on the wrong side of a one nothing loss. Uh, you know, it, it obviously wasn't, we weren't as good as we were in, say, the Millwall game, but it still tasted the same, where, you know, it just, uh, nothing much happens for a while, and then there's a crap goal, and, uh, you know, and then you're scrambling around trying to finish. So, uh, just a, a really kind of boring performance all around. I didn't think either team looked particularly good, um, which, again, coming off the Middlesbrough game is pretty disappointing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, Chris, you wanted to talk about the over-reliance on Stephen Fletcher and how much we missed him against Hull. Yeah, we, we certainly did. I mean, I know they put um, a winner up front and it, it just didn't do the business. I mean, uh, Fletcher's been uh, solid. I mean, that's why he, he won the Player of the Month, which we'll talk about um, a little bit later. But if you look back at just at the Borough game, so that's just one game difference. Uh, Reach's goal, it came from Fletcher winning the ball off their throw-in. Um, if you look at Iolfa's goal, Fletcher won the uh, the free kick that Bannon put in that went to Iolfa. Like, but the guy's influence on that game is is pretty pretty big. Um, of course, he scored as well, but those two other things that you probably don't see in in stats or in reports, like that, those are two small things that he he put in. Um, if you look, we scored 15 goals all, uh, throughout the season, uh, which which is pretty solid. Um, but 60% of them have come from uh, Bannon or Fletcher, so they have been involved, whether it's an assist or a goal. I mean, that's that's a lot just on on two players. You take that out, it just it just becomes um, so, so over reliant on it. If you watch the game, we didn't look like scoring in a month of Sundays. I mean, like we could still be playing now and not put that goal, like ball in the back of the net. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. I mean, we had two big chances. You mentioned it earlier. The reach chance, it was like thirty-three percent. So you go back to what I was saying before about Iorfa putting that ball away. They just weren't um, on on Tuesday night. Winnell's was was even less. So I've seen things online where people are like Winnell has to put this away. Really, only one in four or five of those go in. So, yeah, he, I mean, if he was on the top of his form, like, he should put that away. But uh, the, he's been playing bit part football. Like, he, he's not going to put that away. Um, I think the biggest turning point, though, was the substitution. So, um, the uh, Hull brought on their, their sub about a couple of minutes before Jordan Rhodes. He saw what impact Eves had. He came on. He buried a chance that you shouldn't be burying. I mean, going back to that probability, it was less than 4% of those chances go in. So if you think about the impact on the game and, and what Gary Mug even said in his press conference, I think either before or afterwards, like you wanna you want to see these subs have an impact. And Jordan Rose just did not have an impact. I mean uh, I sent something out on, on the Owls America's uh, Twitter account about the number of uh, touches he had in, in ten minutes and it was two. Um, I got a bit of flack for that, but but the principle was like he is just not impacting the game at all. Like he, he just didn't look interested. He, he didn't. He wasn't getting the ball. And, and some people blame the service. I, I think the key is like he wasn't in the right areas to get the ball. And when people were trying to pass to him, it 
it just got intercepted or he, he fell over or, or whatever it might be. And um, again, we go back to the 18 million Sombolonga. Like he, he cost a, a pretty penny and he should be doing better than that. And um, I, I look back through some of his stats and he's not scored since January, even for Norwich. I mean, that's a long time. And he was getting in that team. And um, for Wednesday, he's not scored for, well, even longer than that. So um, I, I think we're going to have to try and get rid of him in January. But the who wants him? Right. No, no championship team is going to buy him for the level of money that Chancery is going to clearly want for him. Um, but he's on a free in, in the summer. So um, it, it's a conundrum that they have to work out. But it was, I think the turning point was those subs, right? He just didn't impact the game and, and uh, those refereeing decisions and all those types of things. But that, that was really the turning point, I think, from the, from the whole game. Yeah, I, I actually did. I'm glad you said that because I've heard a lot. And I know Monk's post-game press conference was everybody's focused on, oh, stone on pen, stone on penalty. I, every time, every time. It was. But calls go this way, calls go that way. The refs are like part of the field. I mean, granted, championship officials are incredibly subpar and, and have gotten even lower the last couple of years, I think, the the standard of officiating as the level of the league has gotten better. Uh but uh, that's that's irrelevant. What it was is you're right. We we didn't have the pieces to to make a difference uh, with the subs that came in. Uh, Murphy looked fine. You know, I, I, I thought he was okay when he came in. He obviously created the chance that should have been a penalty, um, and he was moving around. But uh, I didn't see much from Karen Lee really, and you know, Rhodes is non-existent, um, and and. You know, I guess that had kind of really made me think, and you're leading into it. What, what are we doing? Uh, what is Gary Monk going to do with this excess of players up front, especially with Nando coming back uh, after the break? You're talking about Fletcher, and uh, you've got Dave, you've got Winall, Rhodes, Murphy, Nando. That's all basically fighting for one to two spots, if you want to say that Adam Reach is a little iffy right now. Uh, so I, I, I think it really is worth considering who's going to play with Fletcher. Is somebody going to take the opportunity? Because Winall's been given some opportunity. Not a ton, but he's been given some opportunity to show what he can do, and it hasn't been much. You know, we know who the impact subs are. We want Dave because we know what he can do late. I think Forestieri is an impact sub more than he is a 90-minute a, a guy. Uh but it's it's going to be interesting for to see what Monk does over the next three months, six months, hopefully a couple of years as he gets rid of some of this excess in an imbalanced lineup. Yeah, we've got a lot of strikers that aren't really in form or just never really goal scorers. Um, I mean, Winall and Rhodes were goal scorers, but not in form. Atti and Forestieri, um, we don't know if Forestieri's likes hasn't played for so long. Um, but I think Atty's been playing relatively well, but he just doesn't score a lot of goals. It's not Atty's game. Um, but I think he's had a good start to the season while he's played so far. I think he had a good game against Hull. I think he held the ball up. He's just not a target man. He's not where you need him to be at the right time. Uh, and Fletcher plays... If he plays Atty News role, but he also plays as target man role as well, which is what you need. Um, <clears throat> I was surprised, actually, how well Fletcher and Nui Hu did for us against Borough. Uh, I hope it wasn't a fluke, and maybe we could deploy that two up front uh, again with those two. Um, but other than those two at the moment, um, we've got to hope Forest area comes back all guns firing, otherwise we have not got much cover at all for Fletcher. 
Well, and that's, uh, you know, I was glad, Chris, you brought up Fletcher because I, I think we've all been talking about it. But <clears throat> this is what, when we first got Fletcher a couple of years ago, I was running around telling all my friends who, you know, they were they only know Premier League stuff. So they had known Fletcher from Sunderland. And I said, oh, we got him. He's going to tear this league up. This is what I want to see. And we had, aside from that spell near the end of the uh, season, we got knocked out by Huddersfield. He's been injured or non-existent for a while. And then the last, you know, obviously this season, the end of last season, Stephen Fletcher has been the Stephen Fletcher that we wanted and expected. And, and you know, Patty, you're right. It, it's about finding the guy who can play alongside him. I just, I love New You, and I, I actually think Dave should be automatically in the 18 every week. But I'm not quite sure he's the guy to work best with what... Uh, Fletcher brings to the table, which, you know, cheers to him. He's had a great season. Let's hope it continues. Cool. Thanks, guys. So I have one last talking point for the whole game, and that is Dominic Ayarfa. Uh, I mentioned in the 1990 that uh, he was definitely to blame, I think, for the goal. Um, I think he was, he's a habit of straying away. He's not very disciplined as far as his positioning sometimes, Dominic Ayarfa. But in that same game, it was kind of a, a kind of microcosm of his entire career at Wednesday. He was brilliant at times. He charges the ball down, he, he gets in people's faces, he gets up the field, he's passionate, he, he tries to make things happen. Uh, so I wanted to uh, kind of talk about both of the sides that I, I offer, really. Um, he's got a mistake in him, no, no doubt about that, um, which is probably why he's not in a better team than us. Um, but I do really think he's probably less of a liability on that right-back position than he is at centre-half. Centre-half, if you're not in the right place at the right time, you can give a goal away like he did against Hull. Um, and I think he's a bit more impactful going forward on that right-back right too. So for me, going back to that earlier call of whether I should uh, move Adebay out of the team once Leeds comes back, I think for me you have to, just so I offer less of a liability, but still has that impact up top uh, from crosses and just being that marauder going forward, which I love to see. I mean, even in the last 10 minutes of the whole game, he was playing centre-half and still getting across the, uh, the halfway line, trying to make shit happen, doing tackles in like the third quarter of the uh, of the opposition half. So, <clears throat> for me, I think he's a great player. Definitely got a mistake in him, but uh, I hope the uh, fans uh, stick with him because I think he's got more positives than negatives, usually. All right. Well, doesn't go, go, uh, just real quick to add to that. Sorry, Patty. Uh, doesn't uh, I think you're right there because moving him to right back takes away a little bit of the liability if he's <clears throat> freelancing a little more, making a mistake out there. You've got uh, Lee's, who is usually as steady as they come, and Burner in the middle to hopefully shut anything down. So I'm I'm on board. You've convinced me. <laughs> Great. Uh, all right, guys, I think that's we've covered everything on those two games. Anything else you want to talk about, or shall we move on to the second half of the pod? All right, I've seen shakes of heads, so uh, we'll be back in about 10 seconds to talk about Wednesday news and the Wigan team. Okay, welcome back. We are going to cover some Wednesday news. It's been relatively quiet, but we'll start with the Player of the Month, uh, which has been awarded to uh, the person we speak about most of the podcast already, Stephen Fletcher, uh, for September. Chris, any surprises to you? No, no big surprise. I think 
uh, Borna probably had a good shot at that. I'd be interested to see like what the split of the vote is. Um, I, I personally voted for Borna. I just think that the way that he has settled into this team is is incredible. I think yeah, I think he got man of um, player of the month in in August. That probably went against him a little bit, but um, I just it just reminded me when he when he went over to the crowd and he, he saw the flag and like the German flag and he he was like high fiving all of the fans and you can just see there's a real bond and that that's done through his performances right he he's done exceptionally well. Um, one of the things I would love to know, and I don't know if someone could ask him this, is like, does he understand what the song means? Because if he doesn't, then that that would be quite funny to see him uh, react to that. But um, yeah, just seeing him sort of integrate within the team, I think he had a good shot too. But um, yeah, Fletcher, he's been pretty pretty solid this month. So um, everyone else, uh, I don't think there'll be many votes for uh, other other players on the on the team. So th- those two were really the ones I was expecting to come through. I would really hope he knows what that song means because on that flag was written the main lyric of it, uh, which is about his private parts uh, being stiff, I think, wasn't it? That's the German translation. Uh, so if he just has that out of context on a German flag, I'm not sure I'd take that. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I'd take that. If I saw like a national flag with, oh, Paddy's dick's hard. Nope, not sure what it's about. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to know that he knows what it means. But I mean, imagine him just reading that and thinking, what, like, who have I signed for here, right? I mean, they create my German flag with my face on and that written on it. I, I mean, it, it, it got a lot of uh, praise and stuff. And then I think one of them asked him to give his shirt over and he did. Um, I just think he's really bonded with the fans and the, his other teammates. I think you also heard it in um, the, the interview that I offered it today, like how he's got a bit of a partnership going with him and uh, he's quiet, but we talk a lot, and I think that says a lot, right? The guy has played ten games for us in the league, so it's, uh, it's a it's a it's a good start, and uh, let's hope it hope it continues. Justin, any uh, other contenders do you think would have been up there in the say top three player of the month that you want to give a shout? No, I mean I I think that's about right. I mean uh, I could probably talk more about Barner because he he has fit in so well. I mean he's just. You know, I, I think he knows exactly what club he signed for and he's enjoying it, you know, and enjoying the flags and the signs and, you know, everybody loves him. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him with an armband at, at some point, um, just given uh, the way he's shown he's not afraid to, you know, marshal a defense and he's not afraid to direct people. And I, you have heard players interviews talking about uh you know, they're not even sure how good his English is, but he's still yelling at me. Um, you know, he's he's not afraid to take the lead and, and get people going. But I, I, I would have voted for Fletcher um, on this. I just think, as you pointed out earlier, Chris, so well that uh, he has, when you take him out of the squad, uh, our ability to uh, create offense, not just put the ball in the back of the net, but create offense is, is hampered right now. So I, I think Fletcher was... Uh, was a huge part of uh, our success this month under Monk. Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with both of you. I think Fletcher deserves that for September. Um, speaking of Fletcher again, we've got an injury update. Um, Justin, a couple of people, kind of slight knocks on the way back. Uh, any updates on those two? Yeah, from what I've seen, it, it sounds like I, I believe Monk said today that... Uh, Fletcher's sitting at about 99%, and he's pretty likely to, to play this weekend, which would be nice, although uh, maybe we'll cover this in the Wigan preview. I'd, I'd like to hope that we can beat Wigan, uh, 
without necessarily having <laughs> Stephen Fletcher in there, if it is something where it'd be nice to give him uh, a couple weeks off uh, the way that it sounds like Tom Lees is going to get a couple more weeks. Uh, I think he's been training with the club, but uh, Monk has said he's not sure he needs to risk him. And, you know, e- even though we did discuss uh, Iorfa's uh, tendency to, to make a mistake here and there, the partnership he's had with uh, Burner has gone pretty well the last handful of games. And, and I don't think there's any need to rush Lees in to, to uh, fix that. So I, I, I think Gary Monk will be you know content to to leave tom lees out and let him continue to rest up because we are going to need him for a long season if we want to contend no i agree with that i think um it's, it makes no sense rushing lees back if he's not fully fit especially against a team like wigan at home uh i offer hasn't been that bad where you need to rush someone into it uh, i think i said earlier on i think i offer doing reasonably well um so yeah uh i'd like to see i offer and burn up in the back at, uh against wigan uh, and depending on how fit Fletcher is, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, as, as bad as Wigan are, I wouldn't like to go up against them with just knew you and win all up front, uh, as we saw against Hull. So if, if Fletcher's fit enough, let's throw him for at least an hour and see how he does. Um, next news item uh, it's international break after the Wigan game. Uh, so we've got a few people who usually get selected for the uh, regular. Poor European squads. <laughs> poor squads. So uh, Dave's back in the Kosovo squad. Uh, but the big news is that um, for Scotland and us is that Bannon and Fletcher were omitted from the Scotland squad. How do you feel about that, Chris? I, I, I'm amazed. Like really, I mean, I, I'd love to know who they have up front in central midfield because I mean, those two have like run this team as we we spoke about earlier. On the other hand, I'm like, go have at it, right? Go and uh, play your games um, and, and keep those two wrapped up in, in cotton wool um, and, and give them a couple of days break and, and, and just move on, right? And clearly, they're out of favor somewhere. Um, I think the commentators on, on Saturday said the same thing about Westwood. They were like, how is the guy at the other end of the field in the um, Republic of Ireland squad over Westwood? Like, I mean, he, that's a really baffling decision, but... It's uh, it's one that I think will pay dividends to to Wednesday in the long run, and um, I am not overly fussed about the Scottish national team, um, so that's fine by me. Yeah, I'm more than happy for Bannon and Fletcher to just be hanging out for the next two weeks playing FIFA 20. Um, <laughs> the last bit of Wednesday news. Uh, let's put a discussion point, I suppose. So. Forestieri uh, will be back. Uh, he'll serve his ban at the end after the Wigan game. So he'll be back for the Cardiff game, which is a Friday night um, TV game, uh, both uh, in the UK and in the US. It will be on ESPN+. Plus. Um, so do you put him straight into the team, guys? I'll probably go to Justin first for this one. What do you think you would do? Then what would you think Monk will do? <laughs> I, I would put him into the 18, uh, but I would not start him. And, and I kind of alluded to this earlier. Uh, aside from that first year under Carlos, um, you know, Nando's been pretty up and down, a little suspect. Um, flashes of, of utter brilliance. That 35-yard goal he had last year was just stunning. Um, but surrounded it by, you know, a lot of mediocre play, not tracking back, disappearing at times. I, I, I think the best usage of Forestieri, which... 
maybe isn't worth his price tag, but he's what we have now. The best usage of him is a you know 60th minute sub to to change things up. Or if you've got a team that's playing compact, he's got the individual skill level to make a play, to break it down, to to make something happen. But I I don't see him uh, in the form that he's shown for the last two years as being a a 90 minute player. Uh, but as as we saw uh, against Hull. We could use somebody coming off the bench that, that really makes a difference. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, th- I think um, he, I think he'll probably be in the 18, um, probably on the bench. But I think in some ways, though, is does he start? And I think a lot depends on what happens on um, Saturday um, against Wigan. Because if, there, if it's another flat performance like what we saw on Tuesday, then potentially has a space. Um, and maybe is it a a reach or a Murphy replacement that, that may, that may work. Um, maybe is he up front? If it's still a, you know, a blank, a blank zero there when, uh, when the game finishes, maybe um, you saw the impact when, um, you know, Westwood and Hutchinson were brought in from the cold just, just only in December of, of last year, how that just lifted the, the fans that were there. And I think despite everything that's gone on and, I think the fans are still behind him, so um, maybe it's a good way of like lifting the lifting the fan base in some ways, if it needs it, based on what's happened on Saturday. But um, if if I was in charge of Wednesday, um, I, I would put him on the bench. I think. Yeah, my views on Forest area have been well documented in this podcast, and I think I've got to be a stick for it. Um, but I agree. I think uh, he's he's someone that we definitely need on the bench in most games. Um, and until uh, Fletcher has run himself into the ground uh, and can no longer start every game, he should stay on the bench, um, unless he proves otherwise. And I'd be happy to prove wrong. Uh, I know he's, everyone knows he's got it in him, but has he got it in him for a season? Has he got it in for like 90 minutes a month and a full season? So uh, let's hope he has, because we definitely do need that Forest area of old. I mean, he's he's one of those guys like Rhodes as well that I, I kind of think of where I, I'm not super positive about what they're bringing to the table. And part of you says, well, I hope they're just good enough to get sold for something in January. Although, you know, the flip side is you hope that they're as impactful as they have been in the past, because if they are, then we're going to have a long season and we're going to be playing in May. Uh, but you know, I, I'm not confident of that. I, I kind of would love to see Forestieri and or Rhodes, uh, or maybe I should say Rhodes and or Forestieri have a great run of eight to ten games in November, December, and be overpaid by a, a desperate, uh, maybe a Newcastle or uh, somebody somebody like that trying to stay up who thinks they need some offense. Because um, I don't see either of those guys being a main piece for our team going forward. But like you, Patty, I, I really hope I'm wrong. All right, let's move on to the last game before the international break. It is Wigan at home. Um, so, uh, usually we start our previews off with a few stats from uh, our stat man, Evan. Now, we have alluded this to in the past that Evan is just a mouthpiece and has a very secret back channel to our stats expert, uh, and today we have our stats expert on the line, and it's Mr. Chris Robinson. So, Chris, from the horse's mouth, the stat man, give some stats. 
Yeah, well, I mean, the amount of times Evan uh, WhatsApps me and says, uh, "What did what did Atty do this time?" and I and I'm like laid in bed or like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like I, I'm, I got my tools, but like I need some, I need some warning here. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at uh, Wigan. I mean, there isn't a stat for just not very good. Um, I, I think if you if you look at it, and Gary Monk said this in the press conference, like a lot of their goals come from set pieces, so we're going to have to be on our game with that if you, it's like over 50 percent of their goals come from corners or free kicks or whatever it might be um they beat charlton just recently that's no mean feat i mean they they pulled off a, a pretty uh likely upset um just just recently um but they beat them 2-0 and they scored from two corners from the same side like i mean this is the team that you're going up about so on the game with with that type of thing uh they drew one recently um, and the, I, I watched the goal back and uh, keep it like he, they shot it from like a, a, a fair out, a way out and they it went through his legs or something. Like, I mean, they just, they, they are pretty lucky in some ways, but we're going to have to be on our game with the, um, the set pieces, which it comes down to their top scorer as a centre back. I mean, think about that. If um, Julian Borner was that top scorer, like we, we wouldn't be having the conversation about Stephen Fletcher and things like that. Like, he's got three goals and he's their top scorer. So I think just keeping that tight is, um, is important. Uh, one thing that did stick out to me, though, is Wigan and uh, Wednesday um, jointly have the top most yellow cards in, in the league. They have 25 each. Right? So um, if anybody's a betting person, I would put a bet on either somebody getting sent off or some yellow cards happening. They, um, they have a lot, um, which led me to look at um, the referee um, for the game. And um, it's uh, Lee Mason, which I was like, I recognize that name, but I don't know where from. And um and I, I started looking into it, and he's a Premier League referee. And I was like, why, why would you put a Premier League referee on a Wigan-Sheffield Wednesday game that really, I mean, it means something, but it's not like a playoff semifinal or, or something like that. It, it, was, it was kind of a, a strange decision. So I, I looked through like what he's done with us, and he's refed us five times since the early 2000s, so it's not a huge amount. Um, he's issued a few yellow cards, one red card, which was against Alex Bruce, interestingly, in uh, 2005. So I was like, I'm fully okay, high in that. I like him already. Yeah, send off Alex Bruce just for what might happen 14 years later. But that um, it, there's no controversy with him. I, I think they, they probably recognise that these teams give away a lot of fouls. So they need a steady hand there. Maybe they've also looked at the other games, which Justin Wednesday have had and noticed that the refereeing officials haven't been particularly great. But overall, watch the set pieces. Keep Dunkley quiet, and uh, I think it should be, and hopefully, uh, three points. But this is the championship, um, as was said earlier, and no doubt that will mean a 2-0 uh, win to Wigan and a 35-yard strike. But um, we'll see. Um, but um, the stats are there to, to show that set pieces are really the key. Set pieces and maybe a yellow card or five. Uh, cheers, Chris. Well, uh, that is awesome. Justin, uh, what uh, are your predictions and hopes for the game? Uh, I mean, it, it is. It's a championship match, and it's a game that we should win at home. So, yeah, 2 nothing to Wigan sounds about right. But, uh, no, I... I there's, that, I, there's I, that dry northern wit you talked about earlier. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I am from the northeast. I'm from New England, right? Uh, it's... I believe Wigan's uh, away form is is pretty wretched. So you know this isn't a team. I, I would expect them to to come in and shut up shop, put ten men behind the ball, and you know 
I, I actually happen to notice that too, just looking at some stuff, Chris, at the amount of uh, free kicks that they had and, and the set piece goals that they have. Um, so I, I think that's going to be it. They're going to try a smash and grab. And the question is, can we, you know, can opener that, uh, that line up and, and get a couple past the goalie. Um, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to be positive and I'm going to say two nil to the Wednesday. Uh, but seeing a drab, nothing, nothing as we lead into the international break wouldn't surprise me. I'm going to throw another stat at you, uh, which I think came from Peter Lohman, who's uh, the Danish stat man, uh, maybe the original stat man. Uh, and he said that Wednesday have now scored more headed goals than anyone in the 250-something uh, leagues in uh, all Europe. Something like that. A lot of, no, 250 teams in Europe, um, which is crazy. So, I mean, if, you think, if we're going to score a lot of goals and set pieces, we're scoring a lot of headers, it's probably going to be played mainly in the air. Uh, so that's hopefully the eye uh, offer and burner up top and up uh, down the bottom as well, and uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens. I, I mean, the only thing from me, my perspective is last time that we played Wigan at home, we won one nil. I would expect a very similar score this time, but George Boyd was on the left wing for the full <laughs> game, and that will not happen on Saturday, which I'm grateful for. Um, so um, that that's the only thing I'm hoping for is that George Boyd doesn't miraculously walk into the blue <laughs> light of Wednesday and play 90, 90 plus minutes on left wing. So, um, but yeah, other than that, I think one nil is is a is a safe bet to, to have against a team that's going to dig in. They're just they're not going to allow much space behind, and they're going to hope to snatch one or, or one late on um, or get a, a poor decision or something like that. So. Yeah, um, so my prediction is I think we'll win 2-0 too. I think it's going to be pretty scrappy. Um, I think we'll probably expect a couple of headers again. Uh, maybe a Bannon, Bannon's due one, maybe a Bannon 20-yard as well. So I think overall we're confident of a win, uh, but not confident of the performance. So let's see what turns up. Uh, Alright, let's move on to the Owls America's other business. Uh, we haven't got much today, a couple of things from me. So you have one meetup in the uh, in New Orleans this weekend. Uh, no meetup in New York uh, at the time of going to press. It might change depending on how bored I am Saturday morning. Uh, I was supposed to be having some kind of week off, so we'll see what happens there. Um, we have a very small update on War of the Monster Trucks, which is the Sheffield Wednesday fanzine James mentioned a couple of weeks ago. We have now taken stock of those fanzines. They are at James's apartment in New York. Um, he's in England all week, which is why he isn't here today. Um, so I'm hoping those get sent out in the next couple of weeks, and the people that have requested them will get them showing up in their mailboxes. Uh, I think there's still a few available, so if you want a uh, the first edition of the War of the Monsters fanzine, please send us an email at owlsamericas at gmail.com or just get in touch on social and we'll put one by for you. Moving on to the social questions from Instagram. At Matty Owls uh, asks, what happened to the dazed and mumbled line? This is uh, Owls America's features from probably the first season, maybe first 18 months of the podcast. Um, We had a massive uh, plea about this, Matty. Uh, when it was dying, we got told by Google, because it was on Google Voice, that uh, if we didn't use it within the next like <laughs> like three months, they were taking it off us. And as we had no calls for like probably six months out of the, uh, the podcast year, uh, we put a plea out to say, save our Google Voice line. 
and no one called us, Matty. So that's why that's what happened today's mumble. He died. <laughs> Justin has his finger in the air. Justin, did you call us? I I will say I did uh, come home drunk from hockey one night <laughs> and leave a long rambling message. So yeah, I am not to blame for this. Justin was uh, very few calls we had, um, but it was a good idea. And if there's look, if there's demand, we will set it up again for you. Uh, but I think at the moment our social questions are going quite well. So if you've got something to say to us, say it on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and we are doing very well as far as getting questions on the podcast and being answered. Moving on, we have a question from at nineteen EPL. Maybe it's the nineteenth English Premier League. I'm not sure. Um, are we only good for mid-table? Because this came directly after the whole game. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put one of you guys. Chris, are we only good for mid-table? Um, I, I think I think time will tell. I think the important thing is consistency with this team. Um, you saw it. We were. You could have been in any team on Saturday, and uh, we blew them away, and then we go away to Hull and uh, put in a drag performance, and... That's not the sign of a team that's constantly in the playoffs or or higher. Um, there it, it will be a mid-table team. Um, if you if we win on Saturday, makes nineteen points from what eleven games, uh, slightly behind that kind of objective of two points per game that tends to send teams up. But um, I think it's consistency and giving giving time. Expectation levels are high. Um, you know this since that four-one win, especially. You know you could you could listen to the fans online or whatever it might be. And they were thinking that we were, we're going to win the league. And then on just three days later, it's oh, maybe we should be looking downward. So it's consistency, I think. Um, but if we can get that consistency, then I think it can be higher. But until that point, it's, it's, uh, it's our 10th position, which uh, we seem to have sewn up in the last couple of, uh, couple of years. I mean, I, I think this is one of the really interesting things with this club and it's one of the reasons why Gary Monk was I actually think a good hire is that we, we need to rebuild this club we're the, we're the oldest club in the league and I'm not even sure it's close and and going forward and looking over the next couple of years we've got to to refresh we've got to get some youngsters in yet I think all of us know that given the the top 11 12 13 players this team has that is a team that's good enough to get promotion if, if things fire on all cylinders. So you needed a manager to come in who can both take a team of veterans and, and get them going while at the same time being willing to build for the future. So I I thought before the season started that we were good for a playoff shout. I, I still think we're there. Um, you know, it, it's tough when you lose at Hull, uh, given this recent stretch of games. We come out with three points on Saturday. Uh, what, what did you say, Chris? 19 from 11, I believe. It's, mm-hmm. it's not great, but that's given what we've done recently. That's that's about as good as 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 we've seen. And I, I think that's if that is mid table, that's closer to sixth place than it is to 12th. So um, I, I'm still feeling pretty optimistic about where we can go this season. I, I think we're I think we're a playoff contender. But Chris, you're you're absolutely right. It's got to be the consistency, and that starts on Saturday. Well, there's currently, guys, there's currently three points between third place and 11th in the championship. So uh, I'm confident in the crappiness of the championship rest of a bunch of rounders. And uh, I think we'll be there about. We could finish 12th. We could finish third uh, the way the championship goes. 
All it needs is consistency in this league. Uh, and it's very difficult to find that, as we've seen over the last few years. Um, so, one last question, and that is from at J. Jesse Jones. Should Chancery back Monk and buy a young striker in January? Uh, Justin, I think you've almost touched this already, so do you want to follow up? Justin? Oh, yeah. No, I was uh, raising my hands at you disappearing. Uh, I, do we have the money? <laughs> Good question. Do we have the money to buy a, a young strike? Because, yes, we should. We should sell several old players who aren't doing much for us and buy a young striker. But I, I don't. It's Is it worth playing the Rhodes game again, where we find ourselves in six, 12 months' time, uh, selling <laughs> selling parts of the selling the parking lot like i you know i i would love to see monk get the pieces he needs but i would rather see chancery back monk over a two to three year period and and make wise decisions come january i, I agree I, th I think uh, young strikers who uh can put put the ball in the back of the net cost cash and i, I don't believe that wednesday have a huge amount of cash otherwise they wouldn't have sold the stadium and um and have you know chancery sponsoring the team it, like there, there's a lot um i think that isn't visible to the general public i would say but the um it, they cost money even if you were to bring a striker from league one or, or league two uh that has a history of scoring which is what you kind of want they cost money i mean look at teams like peterborough they're not they're not selling their players for a couple of hundred thousand pounds like they're they're banking on millions because they they know that those players can put the ball where teams want to go, and if if um, the promotion happens, what that's worth to a team, and they they have teams which are willing to bet on that. Um, so you either buy a player which is young but kind of not really scoring, and then you're like, well, we already have five of those, so well, not so much the young piece, but they we already have strikers that aren't scoring, um, or you buy someone that is scoring and that has money that I don't think we we have unless they can get those players off the books but it comes back to like who who's going to want a 28 29 year old jordan rhodes who looks like he's running in treacle every month like i mean it just doesn't doesn't fit with people that want a with a striker so i think dream world yes but i don't, I don't think it'll happen to be honest there may be a loan or something like that but not, i don't think we're in the business of buying too many players uh, in january i've got an idea how to go around this. So there's usually one or two people um, in League One, League Two scoring bang loads of goals in the first half of the season that like gets courted by a number of championship clubs in January. Uh, and they're not, they're not, depending on how well they're doing, it's probably two million, five million max for those lower league players that are, are in form. Uh, I wouldn't... I'd like us to see us go for someone like that that's in form, whether he's scoring goals in League One or League Two. That, to me, if you get an in form striker that's, say, mid 20s, doesn't have to be young, um, maybe been around the league a bit, but just hit a, a red hot streak, that's the kind of player I'd rather us buy than just someone like a lone striker from Everton or from, God knows, Southampton or something like that. Because they never really work, those loan signings, halfway through a season. They're not really that fit. They're not really um, in form. Just get us, and then maybe we can give Jordan Rose to a League Two team, to sweeten the deal a bit. That's like, play for like Wickham Wanderers and all that for like half a season. That's all I can think of who will want Jordan Rose at that point. Um, so yeah, that's what I think we should do. 
Thanks, Jesse, for your question. Thanks, everyone, for your questions. Uh, it's been awesome. Uh, you've been listening to episode 79 of the Owls AmeriCast, brought to you by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up today at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. Um, we are available on owlsamericas at gmail.com, uh, at owlsamericas on Twitter, owlsamericas on Instagram, and www.owlsamericas.com for all of our information around our meetups, um, our podcast, our city reps, who we are and what we do. Uh, our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean and probably anywhere else you choose to download. There is no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Owls AmeriCast, we ask that you rate and review uh, as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Chris, you're on Twitter at Owls Americas and also at Chris I. Robinson. Um, okay, Chris, how's the, your first podcast experience been? It's been cool. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I hope the listeners enjoy it too. And um, yeah, I hope to get to speak to you uh, sometime in the future soon as well. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you stepping in. Uh, Justin's on Twitter at New England Owls and maybe somewhere else. No, just at New England Owls. That's the only one anybody would actually want to read. Go to at New England Owls. Give him some followers. He's just stayed up about well, maybe a year ago now. Uh, still need some followers. Uh, Go ahead, Justin. No, I was just going to say I actually couldn't remember my other Twitter handle. Name, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's okay. And if uh, you are in the Boston area, please get in touch with New England Owls. Uh, well, he occasionally puts on meetups. Uh, what's the bar you go to in Boston? What's the uh, show's football? So, yeah, unfortunately, I'm about 70 miles south of Boston, and I have a young family, so I'm not always able to make it up there. But there, uh, the bar in Cambridge is the Phoenix Landing, and uh, I've had a couple of people come over from uh, England, and I've been able to connect with a couple or just give my iFollow password to a couple um, and make it. So, yeah, anybody in the Boston area at any time, uh, Reach out and we'll uh, we'll make something happen. Awesome, thanks, Justin. Uh, I'm Thank on Twitter you. at New York Owls and Paddy A Jones. Uh, you've been listening to Owls Americast, and hopefully next week I'm joined back with our regular cast. But if not, we have an able cast supporting. So see you next week, guys. Uh-huh.